Amen. So our series is Silence and Song. It really has to do with, um, as we introduced it last week, it has to do with this miraculous birth of John, who would later be called John the Baptist, and, and the account of his parents, Zechariah and Elizabeth, that's recorded in, in the Gospel of Luke in the first chapter. It's such a part of the Christmas story. You know, John would ultimately be the one uh, who would usher the coming of Messiah. He would be the one, the forerunner, the one who would introduce Jesus. His birth is intertwined with the birth of Christ, but his birth is also quite a story. And it's part of, in many ways, the whole Christmas account because it's connected to it and it has so much to teach us. And so I want to pick back up where we left off. We're in, again, the first chapter of Luke, verse 5. It's in your handout. You have your Bible app. You can follow along that way as well. But, or you have your Bible with you. But I'm going to have us look at this together, reset the table. And there's something I feel like we're supposed to hold on to here and, and take home with us. So it says, in the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah. And he was of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. That's how the, it opens up. What we're told immediately is that they were both, Elizabeth and, and Zechariah, were both from what we would call priestly parentage. They came from Aaron's line. Aaron's line was the part of the tribe of Levi. That, the tribe of Levi uh, was the tribe that was called to minister um, unto the Lord. Uh, and the other tribes supported them to do that. But the, tr but the line of Aaron were the priests that represented the people before God. And they had their, their if you will, their, their ancestry was connected all the way back to Aaron, which means that Zechariah would have been part of what was now, after uh, hundreds and hundreds of years, a thousand years, uh, had grown to be a, a large number of priests. Uh, who were descendants of Aaron. So what had started with very few was now many, many, many thousands. And um, it sort of sets the background for what we're going to see happening here. Uh, we talked about this. Zechariah's name means God remembers. Elizabeth's name, interestingly enough, means um, God's oath, right? It has to do with the oath of God. You put them together and you get this. God remembers his oath. God remembers his promise. And that becomes, in, in, some, in so many ways as well, a summary of everything that Christmas is about. God remembering his promise to us as a human race, right? God so loved the world that he gave. God remembers his promise. This is what we're told about the kind of people that Zechariah and Elizabeth were, right? Let's look at it in verse 6. It says they were both righteous before God, and walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. I mean, what we're immediately told here is of their essential goodness and the seriousness, not dissimilar to many of you, the seriousness where, wherewith they, they took their relationship with the Lord. That they were a people who lived their lives in such a way that God was honored in their lives, that it mattered to them, that it showed up in the way in which they built their life, their priorities, um, their words. I think one of, the, one of the more underestimated distinctives in this culture that we live in, it's our culture, it's our world. Um, I think 
one of the ways is oftentimes we, we do, it does show up in, in, is in the way we talk, uh, in the way we order our lives, and when we talk about the Lord. These are, these are things that, that often impress other people, and I mean impress in the sense that they, it, it affects them. And one of the things we learn, they, 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 they notice, things that people notice that reflect the fact that we take our life with Jesus seriously. And I think it's so important for us to be, be like that because a, a lot of times people will never actually ever meet someone who is a serious follower of Jesus if, if they never, never talk about him, right? If we don't talk about him. We look at Elizabeth and Zechariah, and one of the things that stands out is that they are serious in the way they approach their life with God. They've built their life with the Lord at the center. It shows up in their religious expression, in their prayers, and the way in which they engage the scripture. It shows up in the way they, they render service to the Lord and, and how they make coming to the Lord's house a priority in their lives. It's just part of who they are. And I wanted to put this up, just kind of connecting back to what we mentioned last week, but it really is a reminder, because we talked about, let's not just be nominal believers. And, and I, I think that the tendency is, maybe sometimes it just put a part of our life, we give that to the Lord, uh, maybe a part of one day of the week, most of the time. But we're, are we integrating that into the everydayness of our life? Is, are we building our life with Jesus as a priority of our life, with his teachings and his ways, his words near to our heart? Um, I mentioned this as a reminder that a healthy Christian life is both internal and external. It's something we both live into at a personal level and live out in a tangible way. The the situation is this. We will not live out what we're not living into. It is impossible. What shows up publicly is always a reflection of what is happening privately. If we are nurturing our soul with God, and which is one of the reasons why that little morning devotion, I was just trying to create a supplemental piece for all of us to strengthen us, to give us a little bit of an extra push. Some of us are pretty good at doing devotions. In other words, we have time reading the word and praying and thinking and reflecting in the morning with God. Um, some, we have sometimes these little things called daily breads that we make available to anyone who wants one. It's just like a, a little devotional, scripture reading, a thought, and a prayer. You could, you could say that for the, for the rest of the month, you were going to commit yourself if you wanted to really build spiritual momentum heading into the new year, commit yourself to the downloading and getting the daily devotional that, I, that I'm sharing with the, the church, and then making it a priority to spend time with a little bit of time with God. Some of us do that on a regular basis. But here's the thing. Publicly, you cannot live out what you are not putting in privately. The two things are intertwined. But the same token, when you talk about, when you talk about, you know, Sometimes people say, well, I keep my faith private. I, it, it wasn't meant to be lived that way. And I know some of us have very unique work situations that are challenging, and maybe we feel awkward, or we maybe don't know enough, and we're trying to grow in our Bible understanding, we're not sure how to represent Jesus in this day. But we have to be able to live out publicly our faith as well. We have to live out our faith in Jesus to be able to invite others into life with him. If we don't do that and make, connect the dots, it's just people might think we're good people, you know, nice, but never really get into why we have become more of, of, of this. And, and that's because of our life with God. 
Like, if people who love him don't talk about him, people who don't know him won't know him. So I, I don't only say it's a command, it's, 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 like it, it's, an, it's, it's imperative that people who love Jesus talk about the Lord and find and pray for the people they work with and, and pray for openings to communicate who he is and take advantage of things like the presentation that we're doing as opportunities to invite people to just get exposure to the one that they, I honestly, that they're looking for but may not, they've never known him, right? God's real. Now, here's the thing. If he isn't real, then what are we doing? If Jesus isn't, see, that's what I meant by Zechariah and Elizabeth were not nominal. They believe what they believed. They committed their life towards that. They built their life. Their life was, uh, in a sense, their architecture of their life was centered around their conviction that God was calling them and embodying them into a life of vibrant faith. They were not just nominal believers. They were remarkable believers, but in ways that would have been every, in the everyday they weren't, they weren't outlandish people. They were just, they were extraordinarily faithful people who genuinely love God, which is what the Lord calls us to be, okay? So I say all that because we're told this in verse 7, but they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in years. You see that, verse 7? We're told they're good, they're genuine, they're authentic lovers of, they love God, They've built their life in such a way that has honored him. They're old. They're, they got, they've gotten older. And Elizabeth was never able to have children, we're told. She's barren. So they're old and they're barren, and she's barren. And advanced in years. And one of the things that, and, and by the way, that is in a period in a culture where and maybe some of us might be able to, some, maybe some of us have been wanting children and we can't have them. Maybe we wanted them and we couldn't have them. Uh, maybe some of us right now are praying that God will, will bless us with a child, right? This was a culture where if you were without the ability to have children, it, was, it wasn't just like something that people would have sympathy for you around. It was almost like a stigma, okay? This is important. Because children were so essential in their day, just like it is in many, you know, third world countries as well, children were like your wealth. It, when, you, when you work the land, the children matter a lot because it's, the family is working together often. It's even more so in a culture when you have no government programs, no retirement, nothing like that to fall back on. In that kind of an environment, children are everything, grandchildren are everything. You are literally, your future, your IRA is your children, right? <laughs> it, you're so, that's your, you, you're, you, if you live long enough, that is who takes care of you, right? From generation to generation. If you have no child in an environment like that, that's a very difficult thing. Especially if you love God and you've, you've talked about God and you've prayed for it, which is pretty clear that they have. And then on top of it, for all those years, as, as Elizabeth, Elizabeth has prayed for a child and, John, and, and Zechariah has prayed for a, a child, nothing happens. And then to watch other people get blessed. And to watch the little ones growing up and you're happy for them. For a joy that you yourself will never ever have and had so desperately desired. That creates a different kind of disappointment and pain. And it can very easy, those types of things can very easy start to define people. It can make you bitter. It can make you hard. 
The hurt is so real that you begin to close yourself off to things. That not only is the womb dead, but something else dies inside. And one of the remarkable things that stands out here is that though they were barren, they were not bitter. They, they could have rationed, rationalized in their mind, well, we love God. There are other people probably saying things like, well, we know you guys are, you know, love God and all. You show that in the way you live. But boy, I'm just telling you, but why has God judged you this way? You know, the implication being, well, the Lord hasn't really blessed you, you know. I mean, you, you've always, why can't you have children? In a culture where that's considered blessing, clearly you're not blessed. You know, Zechariah and Elizabeth, the Lord bless you guys, but you don't have any children. I don't know what you did. Where's God's blessing over your life? Again, we look at that and we go, ah, oh, but no, it, put yourself there. Okay? But they had seemed to, and I hope we can see it for us too, they had seemed to be able to retain a spirit of openness and love and gratitude and not be defined by their disappointment, which was real. And I thought about prayers and how sometimes prayers get answered. And I just I had this little framework for it. I vary it from time to time. But essentially, it's like, what happens when we pray and we ask God to do something? Because they clearly had prayed. That's going to show up later. They had prayed. They had asked God to give them a child. But here's the, here's the thing. Sometimes the answer, just, I want us just to think about this. Sometimes the answer is no when we pray, right? We'll put this up. Sometimes the answer is no. Like, that's not going to happen. Other times, the answer is not yet. A yes, but now's not the time. You know, like when it's no, it's like God, sometimes God says, I have a different plan. Sometimes God says, not yet. And it means that it, it's going to happen, but at a different time than we're expecting. Sometimes the answer is slow, right? <laughs> Gradually. It's just a way to think about things. It's, it's going to happen as a process, a little over time. And sometimes the answer is grow, as in we're not ready to have the answer we're asking for. We will be, but not now. There's this different, we're not, we, we, God needs us to grow into that place. Sometimes the answer is no, I have a different way. Sometimes the answer is not yet. Um, this is gonna take some time and patience. Sometimes the answer, right, is, is gonna be slow. It's gonna, un, it's gonna unravel itself a little bit at a time. Other times it's grow. I need you to begin to mature into the person, the man or the woman who can hold the things that I want to entrust you with. Uh, you know, is our love for serve and service for God conditional on him giving us what we want, what we feel we need, and what we deeply desire and yearn for? Is, that, is our love for God conditional on him, him answering that? They were, they were old. They were advanced in years. Young dreams laid aside again, as dead as Elizabeth's womb, but they had to learn to be content, even grateful, and to have one another was a gift. Verse 8, and then something happened, something amazing, something remarkable, something that is part of the event that changes the world, and who could have seen it? It happened so modestly. 
now while he was serving Zechariah as a priest before God when his division was on duty. According to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. Now, you may have read this. If you've, you, It's good to read the Bible. It's really good to read the Gospels. It's great during Christmas time to read the accounts in the early parts of the, of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. All right, it really is. You read this and you go, oh, you know, he's, he, he was a priest serving when his division was on duty, custom, he was chosen by law. You, get, you read it, you go, oh, whatever. Okay, you move through. Okay, here's the thing. Part of his responsibility in life as a priest, and again, this is not like priests who volunteer to be priests. You were born into the priesthood, all right? If you were from Aaron's line, you were born into the priesthood to represent the people of the Lord, the nation, before God in the temple. You would serve about two weeks in a year, specifically, and perhaps, listen, one time maybe in your life, because now there were so many priests, perhaps one time maybe in your entire life, you would have the opportunity to serve in the holy place and offer up prayer for the nation as the sole representative of your people. It wasn't guaranteed anymore because now there were so many priests that they had to cast lots. It's almost like rolling the dice or a lottery. It was a lottery system, basically. If your number's called, you get to go. But here's the thing. They, there, you, once you served in that moment, once you were able to do it, you, you were now, you, could, that was, you were no longer in the, in the lottery, right? You're out. But it is possible that you could live an entire lifetime and never have your number come up. And if this was the one thing you did in life, this was your occupation, your sacred ah, joy, if you will, the, thing, your, the, the height of your career, if you ever got your number called to be able to do this under the Lord on behalf of your people, it was the, the greatest honor. It would be the height of your career. It would be the most holy thing you could ever do in your life, right? But you never knew. And there might be younger men who would get called, and there might be men who were much older who would never get called. Who knew? That's the backdrop here. Because it says, and I, again, I was looking at it, I was going, ah, Zechariah. I imagine a conversation he's having with a younger priest at the time. Maybe he's saying, hey, Zechariah, how you doing? And, you know, my name is just, and we start meeting and talking like people would do. Do you have any children? Do you have any grandchildren? I don't have any kids. I, I, I no, I wanted them. Oh, I wanted a son. Oh, I would have loved. I prayed for it. It wasn't meant to be. But I, I've got a wife who loves God, and we're friends. We're good friends. And we have a good life. And I love what I do. I, I get to honor God. I'm, I'll have no regrets, my friend. I just never got the blessing of a son or a child. I don't have a daughter. No, that's not been the plan for us, you know? But Lord is good. Oh, wow. Hey, Zechariah. I'm sure you have, but I just figured I'd ask. Have you ever had a chance to go and be the guy in the temple? Like, I mean, the holy place. Was your number ever called? No. No. 
No. I get, you know, there are guys in this world that are lucky guys. They, they seem to get picked, and they're the winners. I'm the other guy, all right? I'm the other guy. I, no, I have never had that happen to me. I've wished I could. Probably not going to happen. I mean, what are the odds, you know? Yeah, yeah, what are the odds? Now, they're doing it right now. They're, they're, they're deciding. I know, but I, I've, I figured that's, I'm not even going to hope anymore. I gave up on that a long time ago. And then, the, Zechariah! You're not going to believe it. They called you. Me. Yes, you. Your time. Now. Oh, God. And they began to laugh and dance. This is the greatest moment. Oh, my. I, now he's got to go. I, I don't want to do anything wrong. I don't want anything wrong. It's a very, I, I, I've got to represent the people before the Lord, right? For this old man is going to be the greatest honor of his life. I get to go before the Lord. And as they follow him in, and what would have happened is there would have been two who would have accompanied him, one with the, the altar, like, the, like this little this in, this incense, the silver pan of incense, and the other with the holy fire. And then they would have put them there, and then they would have left to where he was the only one in the holy place inside the uh, temple, right? And he alone would be there. And he would offer, like that incense rising up, he would offer the prayer unto God as his forefathers had done going all the way back to Moses. But really, if he thought about it, all the way back to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob. And he would offer these prayers on behalf of the people under the Lord. It would be, I remember, I've been trained to do this. I know what to do. And now is my time. And as he gets there to do it, something happens that he wasn't prepared for. Let's look at it together. Verse 10. Notice a whole group of people. It says the whole multitude of the people are praying outside at the hour of incense. So there's a group of people praying as he goes in and the others withdraw. And they're praying and there's prayers going out and those prayers are spoken prayers and, and you, can, you, can, you can feel the prayers, you can hear the prayers. The people are praying unto God and, and it says that he goes into the holy place. And then all of a sudden, there appeared to him. This is what the Bible just kind of tells us in a casual way. But it says there appeared to him some type of a figure. We're told it's an angel of the Lord. But he didn't know that. Standing on the right side of the altar of incense. So as he's doing this, as he's getting ready, there, all of a sudden there's a figure there. Right? And, and it says in one of the great understatements of the scripture, Zechariah was troubled when he saw him. Right? Fear fell upon him. I mean, he gasped in terror. Oh, my God. Right? There's this moment of utter terror. And he must have wondered, did I do something wrong? Did I do something wrong? Did I do something wrong? Oh, did I unintentionally violate the sacred, the sacred place? Am I going to die? I mean, am I going to die? Right? Terror strikes him. Who are you? What is this? What did I do? Everything flies by real fast. All right? But the angel said, do not be afraid, Zechariah. But I'm terrified. What do you mean don't be afraid? Do not be afraid for your, look, I, you can't, what? Look at 13. For your prayer has been heard. I, I didn't, I didn't even start my praying time yet. <laughs> I, I, what prayer? What prayer? 
I didn't get there yet. Your long ago prayer. What prayer? For I'm telling you now, Elizabeth, your wife, Elizabeth, your wife, is going to bear you a son. <laughs> going to bear you a son. And here is what you are to name him. You are to name him John. John, John's name, it, 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 I looked at that, I go, well, John means the Lord. The Lord has shown favor. It means literally the grace, grace of God. God has shown favor. You, you are to name him John. Why? Now, we're going to watch, we're going to sit with in the coming next couple of weeks his reaction <laughs> and what happens. It's, it's fascinating. I mean, you can read it, but I'm going to really get into it a little bit more. <laughs> Don't be afraid, but I am afraid. Your prayers are heard. Your prayers are heard. What prayers? I haven't even offered my prayers. The ones uttered long ago. But that was long ago when the world was so younger, as so was my wife. We stopped praying that prayer years ago. I prayed that prayer when we were young. I never haven't prayed in years. What are you talking about? And hear me out. And I asked if they could put it up too. And I say this as loved ones. Sometimes God answers long ago prayers. Isn't this great? And sometimes he answers prayers even after we've stopped asking. I can tell, I can tell you, see that video you saw at the start, which was meant to remind us about the Reardon initiative and our need for the church to give. That video, for me, was a reminder of long ago prayers. There were decades before that prayer came to pass. And I'll tell you this, to have that moment with my father-in-law, a man who I greatly respected over the years, the closest thing I had after my grandfather died to a, an honest, good man, a father figure, who was not at that time a follower of Jesus, but was a good man who I respected. To have him now to jump in, to say, you know what, at age 70, I'll go to the church since you're starting this thing. After years of pretty much no, except for an occasional presentation. And then to see it end, not end, end, but to see that moment of a decision to be baptized and publicly identified with Jesus, to have that culminate what it has meant for our family, what it has meant, and I didn't say it in the service before because they were there, <laughs> what, it has, what it has meant for our family to have the shared unity of a common love for Jesus, to do things as simple as praying together for a meal on a Sunday evening together with utter agreement a gift. But you know what, Cheryl and I, we were talking and we had to look at each other when we saw this thing starting to happen and then we re reflected back on it again when we were in Israel and this watching the baptism. We said, you know what, we, a number of years had passed when the kids were little. 
my kids are now graduated from college and they're, my oldest is turning 30. Okay. We remember when they were little, we would try to pray for our in-laws, her dad. And we got to a point where we just, we just stopped praying. We, we just kind of said, it's, you know, they respect us. They're, they, they, they're okay with what we're doing. They'll come every now and then, but that's probably going to be the extent of it. And then to watch what the Lord did. It's a reminder. We, we weren't, that was a long, those were long ago prayers. And I thought the entire church is a product of long ago prayers. Anything that's touching you is a product of someone has prayed. Prayed, even the whole place itself. I was thinking about, oh, here we're, we're getting ready to try to enlarge our tent, Lord, and do more for you. I thought it all goes back to long ago prayers. Somebody started and they prevailed in prayer. They've been praying. People have been praying for us. People have prayed for you and me who will never know their names or ever see their face. But their long ago prayers, shot like an arrow through time, have hit us in the present. Such is the power of God and why we also should be a people who pray. But let us not be underestimate when our long ago prayers get answered. Okay. Yeah, Lord, I thank you. Let's pray together. Okay, wait, before I do that, before I do that, here's where we're ending. We have created, um, we did this, uh, you know, the presentation's next week here. And so we, we did as we did, we, the, the Cornerstone Band, part of it, they went on a rooftop overlooking the city, and they created a, a, a music video that we're going to post, and it's just kind of get us ready for the presentation that's coming. So what we're going to do is as we have our time of giving, right after I pray, we're going to go ahead and show that, and then I'll just come right back up and close the service out. But at least give us a little bit of a, a taste of where we're heading in, in, in next week, all right? So let me go ahead and pray. Lord, I thank you for the time we've just shared. I've loved it. Uh, I love what you're doing in the lives of those who are here. Keep doing it. Touch even more people, Lord. I pray for that. And for all those who are even joining us from afar, um, I, I bless them. I send out blessing through the way, airwaves and digital waves. And I just pray for the blessing of Jesus to go forward and uh, change lives, bring home prodigal sons and daughters, Lord. Bring home those who've run away from you and come to this city, but somebody's praying, somebody's praying. Praying, Lord. Help us not to give up either, nor to be shocked. Let's keep praying for people, even the people we love. Let's keep praying for them and believing for them. And uh, anyway, Lord, good things ahead in Jesus' name. Amen, God. Amen.